Hello everyone and welcome back to A608 After Hours. My name is Monica Higgins. And I'm Uche Mechi. And we are here today to welcome uh, Megan Lockwood. Meg Lockwood, we're going to introduce you. Thank you so much for being here. We're going to introduce you in just a minute. Um, so this week, um, Uche, this week I am thinking a lot about the challenges of leading in difficult situations, whether that be a turnaround situation or other kinds of situations in which there's lots of uncertainty, whether within an organization or system or out in the sector or the marketplace. And so the need for change is extremely high, and yet oftentimes people are resistant to change. So we talked about how leadership is often about making difficult decisions in these times of high uncertainty, and that it often calls for working across boundaries, and yet it's so difficult to get people to do that, particularly if they have kinds of entrenched ways of seeing the world or they're used to kind of their own modalities. Um, and yet that's exactly what's needed and it's so hard to do. I was also struck this week by how the conversation really zeroed in on the importance of effective communication. Uh, communicating in a way that really draws people into these tough decisions rather than kind of repelling them from them or putting them in some kind of defensive posture. So that's what I'm thinking about. How about you? Hmm. Yeah, mine is definitely very related. That part around collaborating and communicating across differences, I found very interesting. In one of the case discussions, we explored how professional and functional identities and goals are interwoven with personal identities and goals and how that intersection creates a unique set of challenges. So for instance, like the explicit shared that people may be aware of, but then the implicit and non-shared, and there's also the explicit and implicit on both ends to seeking alignment. And that also reminded me of another conversation from this week where the folks involved wondered about how one's identity and sources of power are perceived by those that you work with and how that could impact how others are receptive to um, what you're trying to say, how your communications and actions. And that opens up a lot of questions about like, how how do you understand the percept, like how others perceive perceive you and how do you respond to that and how does that impact or how should that perhaps impact how you communicate or how you try to collaborate with them and of course I'm thinking of Jan Carlson versus um, mm -hmm. Frank Borman right now. Frank Borman oh my goodness yes indeed um, so we are so happy Meg to bring you into this conversation um, welcome to the A608 After Hours podcast um, so just by way of introduction, Meg Lockwood serves as special advisor to the Harvard College Dean's Office for all things COVID related. She is also interim resident dean at Cabot House, which is one of the upperclassmen houses for Harvard College students. Meg is a former middle school teacher and alum of the HGSE doctoral program in education policy, leadership and instructional practice. Welcome, Meg. It's so great to have you here. Thanks, Monica. I'm really happy to be here. And is there anything you'd like to add just in terms of intro? And if not, sure. we'll go right to the questions. Yeah. Um, so I, I'll say I grew up always wanting to be a teacher. And I remember sitting in my second grade class and thinking, when I'm a teacher, I'm going to do the 
the bulletin board like this. And, um, and so I was, and I taught middle school and um, I got so interested in, uh, I was still interested in student learning, but I got really interested in adult learning. And I think that was because I worked at a school where our principals and teachers had created an amazing professional learning community. And I felt like I was learning every day from my colleagues, could really see the results in student outcomes. I knew that not every teacher team was like that. I had been on teacher teams that weren't like mm -hmm. that. And I heard a colleague joke once that the reason it's abbreviated on your schedule as common planning time is abbreviated CPT is because it stands for complaining time. Oh. And so I had, I um, at, at the same time as I was teaching, I was also a resident tutor in Adam's house here at Harvard College because my husband was a PhD student here. And I kept hearing from other tutors about the amazing experience they were having in their doctoral program at the ed school. And I got so interested in learning about how every teacher could have the kind of learning experiences that I was having. Um, so that's what drew me back to the ed school where I had gotten my master's in language and literacy. And then um, when I was there, I took A608. I got really involved with DataWise and kind of all things um, professional learning and organizational improvement. Um, since then, we, my family spent some time in Australia for my husband's job where I worked in a consulting company. But I think what I learned there, I learned so much, um, but I learned that I really like to be part of the thing, the team doing the thing rather than the consultant swooping in and out. So it's wonderful to be back in Cambridge and part of this community at Harvard College. Oh, so great to have you. Um, and yes, kind of thinking about, you know, that that role, you know, women of action, women of thought. Oftentimes people graduate from doctoral programs and they kind of move into the thinking diagnosis space, but it's so great to have you back in that action space and right here at Harvard and also hear your perspective on, you know, all things COVID related as it relates to um, higher education in particular. So tell us a bit more about your role as interim dean at Cabot and working in all things COVID related in the college dean's office. What have been a couple of your takeaways or lessons learned about managing and leading during this time of crisis and when difficult decisions need to be made? Thank you. Sure. I started to get involved with the college's COVID response right in the spring, right after the college de-densified and sent um, uh, almost all of our students home. The students who didn't have another place to go or, or had visa issues or things like that have been here this whole time. So I think about our response in three phases. In the spring, we were asked in our teams to build out plans for different scenarios of what the year would look like. So there was one that was near normal and it quickly became clear that was just a fantasy. Um, a scenario that kept instruction remote but brought back some students, which is what we ended up doing. And then a scenario that had us delaying the academic year until things got more normal. And I'm also really glad we didn't do that one because uh, we would, I think, still not be, it, I'm really glad we're able to have uh, students able to make academic progress at this time. And then as we moved into the summer um, and the Faculty of Arts and Sciences had made the decision to invite back first year students plus students who had an academic need to be here, it was incredibly intense time of planning for the year. And my role was project managing from the college's side, setting up our 
three times a week testing for everyone living in residence. And we had also had a residential community compact that students needed to agree to in order to return to residence or come to residence for the first time in the case of the first years. And so we had to develop a plan for compliance with that compact. Um, and so the summer was a very intense time of planning and creating all of these new structures in a uh, organization where we're always looking to do things, but it really a lot of things have been very similar for, for a long time. So that was a big challenge. And then I would say the third phase is the fall until now. We've been implementing the plans we've made and improving as we go. And in terms of lessons learned, I think uh, leading with values is something that came up a lot in A608 and was often in my mind, has been in my mind the past year, that if you're clear on the values guiding your decision, prioritization gets a lot easier. So we knew that our values were protecting the health and safety of the community and preserving the academic enterprise. And it was easy to, not easy, but the time when you're choosing between two options and there seems like there's no good option, if you can say what are our values in this situation and what choice do we have, that helps. Um, we also, um, having, it, it, there was there was so much was, new and we really had very little time to repair a whole new way of residential life, um, a new set of expectations for students, a lot of concern from residential staff about how we would enforce these expectations. Our residential staff um, are used to being mentors to students and cheerleaders to students and um, were concerned about feeling like they were going to need to be enforcers for students. And so it's really challenging. Um, what's a few things that stuck with me Something a colleague said over the summer was, these students are coming whether we're ready or not. We don't have time to second guess every decision. We get one bite at this apple. We're gonna get slings and arrows no matter what we do, we just have to keep going. And I actually thought of the Eric Peterson case and how I remember Monica saying he didn't, he didn't realize he was in a startup context and entrepreneurial context and needed to act like it. So we didn't have time to have meetings about meetings and wonder if our structure was going to, you know, if everything had been perfect, we wouldn't have gotten it done. We just had to keep going. And I think at the same time, we also had to remember the context we were in and recognize and celebrate all the things that make the residential community here so great. So it's um, very decentralized. First year students are in the yard and then upper class students uh, divided into houses. And so like Harry Potter, each house has faculty deans, resident deans, house staff, resident tutors. It's a big organization with a lot of moving parts. And I thought back to the Slade Plating Company case where there are some things that might not seem totally logical or efficient, but actually work really well. And I was so grateful that I had been a resident tutor and a resident dean in the in the past and that was part of my professional experience so that I could come it made it much easier to make changes when I could articulate as a leader that I understood the system that we're building on and appreciate it and I understand that what we're doing is different as we rise to meet this new challenge that's great and thank you for bringing in so many of our cases it's awesome um I'm really struck by uh your focus on values and even as you, as you said, you have to move quickly, you have to take steps, you can't, you know, as you said, like Eric Peterson, kind of sit back and 
you know, have meetings about meetings and, you know, and so forth. You have to take some action and remembering those values is really, really key. Um, I wonder if you can talk a little bit about um, how you're anchored in the work. Is Are there ways in which your own background and identity or how is it that your own background and identity in any way you want to define that, how has that impacted how you've entered this incredibly difficult incredibly difficult work this year? I, th I think a lot of different elements of my identity impact how I approach my work. I know um, I identify deeply as a member of this residential community. That's something that's really important to me and my family. I'm someone who benefited greatly from a community very much like this one as a college student and I feel compelled to pay that forward in a very different time. I, my identity mm -hmm. as a parent is really important. Um, I feel for the parents who've entrusted their young adult children to us. I am also a white woman who's benefited greatly from unearned privilege. And I feel that we really need to do our very best to protect our most vulner vulnerable community members um, who are our essential workers, the dining and custodial staff. So I think about them every day as we focus on compliance with the compact. I also, um, I also, part of my identity is as a bereaved parent. As Monica knows, we had a little daughter who died at birth when we lived in Australia. And um, it's really important to me to know that what I'm doing, to feel like I'm making a positive difference in people's lives. And so even though that's not something I talk about every day at work, I'm very grateful for the opportunity that I have to feel like I can contribute in a meaningful way to this community. Mm. I'm so glad you brought all of that. And it really helps understand how you approach the work and your own core values and then interweaving those with the community that you're you're building and you're sustaining. So thank you. Thank you a lot, Megan. That was that was powerful both to hear you talk about the process that the school went through in responding to the um, to the COVID situation, but also kind of the why behind how you were thinking about it and how that motivated you personally, but also how that why made some decisions a little bit easier. I'm going to follow up with more of a how question. So Monica asked a lot about or at least in your response, you talked a lot about having to work across different functions in different houses and different, like a very complex system that had to move and like respond very quickly. And I think you spoke very clearly as to like why it was important to move urgently and why it was important to really take it, take into account the complexity, but not necessarily shoot for perfection, but try to get people moving in the right direction. However, I'm very curious as to like how you actually thought about people's incentives or the structures that they're built in and so on and so forth and their perhaps competing um, interests and so on and so forth and how you maybe thought about working towards that alignment, which is also in a very urgent situation, which can kind of heighten those decision-making um, differences. Easy question. Yes, I mean the short answer is we had a lot of Zoom meetings, um, but the but um, it was so cool looking back on it. So setting up 
setting up testing over the summer, really all of our campus partners had to be involved. Um, so we worked with HUIT for the text part of it, with dining services, with Harvard Public Relations and Communications, health services, of course, they were in charge and, and um, Office of General Counsel just we talk about one Harvard and this was such a one Harvard moment. Like I've never experienced. It was so cool. So, and colleagues from other schools would reach out, check in really quickly with the business school this year. Like we had this idea to set up our, our testing bins like this, you know, what do you all think? Like, and um, it was so much fun. I really um, appreciated Slack and Microsoft teams over the summer and now for how connected they helped us be. We did really try and keep everybody uh, up to speed as much as possible to the extent that they needed to be. There was just a constant overload of information, but there was a, a 7.30 meeting every morning to prepare for the 8 a.m. meeting every morning. And um, people just really, I think in a quite nimble way, jumping on and off of calls all day to try and push things forward. I think what I learned is the kind of people who ended up either putting their hands up to be involved in this work or were pushed forward as their representative from their part of the organization to be part of this work are the kind of people that I love to work with. Um, my mentor and the director of the DataWise project, Kathy Bodette, always says, there's nothing more fun than working really, really hard about something you care about with a great group of people. And it was so cool. We really were an interdependent team. I don't know if I've ever um, I know we strive to make teacher teams, workplace teams, and everybody really being interdependent with everybody bringing their own expertise that no one else had. But um, in this case, the that was really heightened. I just, I couldn't do what dining services does. I don't know how they do their work. And, but to be able to build a relationship with the person who does know and, <clears throat> and to be able to communicate across um, our different parts of the organization was so energizing. Um, and I think now that we're, things have settled a bit, we understand each other's work so much better and we can work together so much more effectively because of the relationships that we built during that really intense period over the summer. Thank you, um, Megan. That makes a lot of sense. And the last part or the last sentence about now that things have calmed down, like you build on those relationships, that's actually what I wanted to follow up on. So a lot of what you described was in response to a precipitating event. It was a crisis. And there's a lot of research in terms of how crises can actually focus groups and build, um, build a sense of collaboration and so on and so forth. In terms of strategies, processes, you've mentioned partnerships and like connections that you've made. As you look forward to like whatever this new normal may be, what do you think, either from those incidental connections, like things that you can do on your own and things that may require some design factor changes, what are you thinking may persist or you may want to orient towards? I think we are in a really interesting moment. Like you said, we never would have wished for this crisis. And there, it's been a time of so much loss and grief and uh, nothing that any of us would have ever wished for. It also 
has um, given us an opportunity to think really creatively about as we move forward, what what things actually do we want to keep um, and what things do we want to, even though we could go back to the way things were, what do we want to change? So I think some little things that we'll, there are a ton of little things that we will never change, um, never go back to. So I, I'll mention Microsoft Teams again, even though I don't work for this or promote this product or anything. Um, I, I, uh, I think having the, we wouldn't have jumped on that if it weren't for the, weren't for this crisis, but it's been so effective in helping us communicate with one another throughout the day. I feel like we're together when we're not. I would expect maybe more remote work to be more, more part of our future. And I think that generally, um, envisioning what we want the college experience to be it's a time it's an open time to reimagine um how we can achieve our mission and i find that both scary and exciting <laughs> scary so, and exciting Meg, thank you i have to tell you i don't know whether you know this but we're using microsoft teams in class so I love that. We actually, it's the student's space to comment, although we do use it functionally as well, but it's the student's space to kind of comment and chat, you know, if they, if there's only so many voices you can hear in a single session, as you know, so it's just been just a flourish of terrific ideas and it's just been great. So, um, so I am left from this conversation thinking about a number of things. One is, um, it's interesting because my thinking over the course of this has shifted a little bit. At the beginning, I, I thought I heard you say kind of, we don't have time for meetings to think about teams. But then as I listened to you more carefully later on, I heard you say, well, we do have a team meeting to think about the team meeting. And but you're always acting and you're always moving forward. So it's more about teaming, um, which is a concept we're going to be talking about a little bit later on in the course. We've just started, but the teaming and this idea of interdependence, I love that idea. So when you're thinking about, you know, to Uche's question, what sticks? And you said there are certain things that we've done or we've realized we do or don't need. The relationship stick. Like you guys understanding how your work is interdependent with that of other people and each other's work, that's going to stick. So as things come up and many crises or, you know, problems that need to be solved, you know who to go to and why you need to go to the people. So I'm really left with this concept of teaming and interdependence and how sticky that is. Um, how about you, Uche? I think I'm going to build off of you and maybe just talk about what you said from another perspective. But I, I know I sound like a broken record. I keep going back to context. And two things I heard in what you said, Megan, don't let the great be the enemy of the good, especially in times of crisis. So don't wait to try to come up with this perfect solution. Sometimes you have to move forward. But balancing that with what are your values? What are your norms? What's your true north? And really thinking about how do you balance that, um, those two perhaps opposing in some situations um, interests in a time of crisis. And that just then the stepping back, it just made me think of like how you balance, that, that balance may look different depending on if you're not in a type of time of crisis or if the context is slightly different and so on and so forth. And 
this being flexible, this being this triple threat and having different strategies and being open to responding to the context. Thank you. It was a great, yeah. it was a great response and got me thinking. Yeah. Yeah. And I loved also hearing about the, the stages, you know, of the change process. There's so Indeed. much in here. It's terrific to have you. Um, do you mind, Meg, if we end with a couple of fun questions? I'm ready. Okay. <laughs> so this is good. Um, Uche and I love to ask our guests um, about dessert. So what's your favorite, if you have one? I think Reese's Peanut Butter Cup Sunday is my favorite. <gasps> Ooh. Mm. Sunday. So how does that work? Is it the ice cream and then you get the Reese's peanut butter cups on top? How does that work? When I was a camp counselor in Maine during college, we'd always go to friendlies on days off. And I just, however they did it. Friendlies. Yeah. <laughs> love friendlies. Mm -hmm. huh. Excellent. I love that. I love peanut butter. I can't remember the last time. I'm, I guess I could make Sundays at home. Okay. Next project. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so my question for you is, what's one thing that you're grateful for right now? So much and everything. Um, one little thing I'm grateful for is audiobooks. I just appreciate so much the constant <laughs> yes. companionship while I'm walking or doing dishes or anything like that. Very grateful for audiobooks at this time. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you. Terrific. Um, how about this one? Um, we know you're still working at Harvard, but you have left HSC. Um, you're beyond HSC from your student life. What's one thing you wish someone had told you about life beyond HSC? I think um, we all, I feel so fortunate for the time I spent at HGSC. And I think I came to some really powerful understandings about teaching and learning and working at that time. And I think it's, I sort of wish someone had told me and I find myself reminding myself that it took me a long time to come to those realizations. And so sometimes if I see a problem in a, in a certain way, um, that's really reflective of the academic training that I had and all of the experiences that I had. Um, and to remember that other people are coming with different experiences that are, uh, that are impacting how they view a problem. Um, and so I think that's something that something that has stuck with me. Mm. That's fantastic. Thank you. Um, thank you so much for coming on and having this conversation with us. We know that you um, are obviously in the midst of continuing to make difficult decisions with lots of different folks. So um, it's just great. Yeah, here, thank so you thank so much. You. And thanks for being so transparent and both in the process and about how it connects to your personal thank identity. You. And that yeah. was amazing. And I think the students can learn a lot from that. For sure. Thank you. Thanks for having me. If you enjoyed this conversation, you can find related conversations where Monica and I discuss leadership, entrepreneurship, and learning with our guests at bit.ly forward slash a608 after hours. That's bit.ly forward slash a608 after hours, all lowercase.